We are the tide from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating our rivals never gets old. Making our way to the Big Sky Conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. For the Vandals of Idaho. Welcome back, Tribe from the North, Brave and Bold, to the official, unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals and the Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brian Marceau, joined today by Dallas Hammer, fellow co-host wearing... I mean, view listeners aren't going to see what you're wearing, Dallas. Um, I know nothing about hockey. It looks vaguely duckish, but kind of orange, like it's the Idaho State version of the NHL. Yeah, it's it's for anybody that's not a super big hockey person. Uh, the Ducks used to have the beautiful eggplant and jade that was so 90s it was gross, but also awesome at the same time. Then they realized, well, we're in Orange County. We're going to make the colors orange because that's cool. People like orange. Nobody likes orange. Go to hell. Anyways. Uh, the Ducks captain, Ryan Getzloff, has announced his retirement, and it is the saddest thing to happen to me in, in at least three days. Uh, and it, it is just, it's devastating me right now. So I'm I'm wearing my, my Ducks gear in mourning. Which is uh, reasonable. I thought you were mourning that we had to take two weeks off. Uh, Martin, producer Martin Heemstra. He is our representative in the 83843. Martin, how's it going down in Moscow? It is going good right now. I just got out of some night from windy rain weather, but I'm doing good. It's springtime in Moscow, and baseball season starts tomorrow. You Are you a long-suffering Mariners fan, just like you're a long-suffering Vandal? Yep. Martin. I go through. I am suffering is my thing, it seems like. Yeah, I can't wait until we have our what SSRI are you on update from Martin later in the episode. Uh, guys, a quick update before we get to the football news. Because look, the, the majority of our episodes now and today are going to focus on spring football and developments we have. Uh, we were off for two weeks. I took... You're welcome. Um- Brian, you're going to need to start that over. You just completely cut out that whole thing. Oh, thank God. The only thing better than delaying the intro for listeners is if I get to do it twice. Motherfucker. We missed two weeks because of me. The two weeks is now up. Uh, we're going to jump right into spring football news. That's a round of our brought to us by Hughes River Expedition. And look, before we talk about the spring f- practices, which is going to be the, the bulk of this episode, we have some more concrete football news, and we definitely should have got a name pronunciation here. But uh, Idaho for Big Sky football got a pretty big transfer pickup. I mean, Martin, was that today that the transfer news came in? Today is Wednesday. Uh, he announced it on Twitter on yesterday. Okay, so news came. Coaches Tuesday. were announcing stuff. Coaches were hinting at stuff on Sunday. So. Who knows for sure? Yeah, we definitely should have got pronunciation guide uh, because good news, Vandals. Uh, looks like that Polynesian pipeline is coming back to us, at least in a surprising way. Look, Idaho gets a big FBS transfer, at least in terms of name right now. Uh, former Notre Dame linebacker Paul Moala. And that's how I'm going to butcher the name. It's the Polynesian spelled M-O-A-L-A. So that's Moala for right now. Uh, he's 
former linebacker from Notre Dame, is transferring. He's going to be joining Idaho for next season. Uh, big. A lot of people are going to be asking, how does a Notre Dame guy get to Idaho? Well, the brain dead question is also, the dude was playing. So that's another pause of, well, this is a big pickup. Uh, problem you add is Paul, bro- Paul busted both his Achilles in consecutive years. So that explains why a dude goes from a place like Notre Dame to Idaho. But we're done talking about the sad part because this kicks ass for Idaho as a linebacker or defensive back. That's where he's kind of listed. This is look, I'm going to quit filibustering Dallas. Dallas just, just jump in here, dude. I think this is big potential news for Idaho. Drop downs don't always work out, but I think just the fact of getting a guy from Notre Dame to Idaho is uh, showing people that, uh, we're, Vandals are not the only ones stoked about what's going on in Moscow with Jason Eck. Absolutely. Uh, I will temper the expectations a little bit uh, because the Achilles is maybe the worst injury to have uh, when you're playing a professional or semi-professional sport. The ACL used to be it, and, and nowadays, honestly, the surgery has gotten to a point that the guys can recover. I mean, you see Cooper Cup win the Super Bowl MVP and have one of the greatest receiving seasons of all time blew out his ACL three years before that uh, used to be a career ender. Now guys can come back better than ever. The Achilles is not quite there yet. Um, not to reference the Rams again, but Cam Akers blows out his Achilles in the uh, preseason doing OTA, not even to OTAs yet blows out his Achilles. They think that he's going to miss the whole season. He somehow comes back for the playoff run. Didn't look fully healthy, but was good enough to at least play. Uh, that's, that's what we're hoping for with Moala here is that I mean, he's recovering from both Achilles being blown out. That is a hell of an injury. That's probably why he's not transferring from a place like Notre Dame to another, like a G5 school. He had, I'm guessing he didn't have a whole lot of offers that were better than Idaho. But on the other hand, he also thought Idaho was a good enough offer to take. I mean, obviously he played at Notre Dame. He was not, uh, was not necessarily a starter. Wasn't a guy with a ton of stats, but he did play in 12 games his sophomore season, his last season being healthy. That was 2019. So it's been a while. Uh, ended up with 14 tackles, uh, did have a fumble recovery for a touchdown and a forced fumble. The stats are up on the uh, on the screen here. He played in one game last year uh, and didn't even register a stat before he got hurt. Um, it, it it's unfortunate to for for him to probably you know, have these dreams. He's apparently from Indiana, who probably had dreams of playing for Notre Dame and being a star there. Injuries didn't work out, but if he can get healthy, he just on paper is probably going to be one of the most talented guys on this roster. It's just a matter of, can he recover from, I mean, those are two devastating injuries. We have softened expectations enough, I think. So I'm going to uh, go in the opposite direction. If the dude was good enough to get minutes at Notre Dame and look, this isn't Notre Dame of like Ty Willingham or something like that. This is a, this is a good program. If he's good enough to get minutes there, there's reason to believe we, we have a contributor. Obviously he's got to be healthy, but this is nothing but good news that Idaho's getting big, you know, big level transfers. Look, Montana State, when Jeff Choate was there, part of what they established was a pipeline of people transferring from University of Washington into Montana State. Now, they weren't leaving UW because they were playing a ton. This guy was getting this. We know why he transferred, but okay, great news. It's enough for us to now shift over to me to spring ball update, which this is going to come to listeners as a little bit of. Uh, This is kind of like a smorgasbord of there's not exactly a delineated discussion for us to go through. Spring ball started last week. Uh, This week, uh, this is the week of, you know, April 4th would be the Monday of of a second week of spring ball. The 
coaching staff has been doing exactly what they did earlier in the off season, putting out a ton of content. And they're of course getting institutional help with that too. But uh, fan, Jason Eck is and coaches are doing what they can to, you know, keep people connected with spring ball coaches are the practices are open to people. If you want to go, you need to contact JD Johnson to do so. But uh, we have just a couple items that we have, that we have to get through with spring ball before we get to an update. And the first one I want to get to, and I'm going to throw it to Dallas as well. I think, and I, this is based off our own discord hashtag only tubs. Uh, this is based off just talk with vandals. This is based off of seeing Chad and all vandals. People are getting stoked for spring football, which is great news. But for the team itself, we're kind of in pump the brakes mode because even though a lot of people are stoked about the season, I'm stoked. This last week was really the first week the coaches got to see a lot of the players in action against other players. So as far as us learning news from spring ball, this is really early filtering of what's going to, of what we'll see in terms of season. I mean, hell we still, this is a discussion we're going to jump to pretty quick. If you look at the roster on go vandals right now, we have nine listed quarterbacks on the roster. Now, obviously we're not going to have nine quarterbacks, particularly nine close to nine quarterbacks on scholarship once the season starts. But from the reporting we have, both from uh, Stefan Wiebe from the Lewiston Tribune and also other people who've just been helpful with us and tell us what they've seen in practices. The coaches are really devoted to actually seeing guys play against play against each other before we have any sort of positional group changing. And quarterback Dallas, that's kind of the like keystone group of like, hey, pump the brakes, fans. We're the huge shift that we're going to see relatively soon after spring ball is probably going to be people switching position groups, but dude, I filibustered you for a while about pumping the brakes. What direction you want to take this talking about spring practice? I mean, I'm going to just keep being the guy, just dumping water on people's excitement, excuse me, excitement. I still have not gotten that down um, for everything that, you know, the excitement we hear of the spring of guys getting the battle axe award and the offensive MVPs and, and watching the the minute long hype videos that they've been posting to uh, Vandal Football on Twitter, uh, which by the way, fantastic work uh, from the athletic department there because the the new social media focus of this iteration of Vandal Football is is great for for really realistically anybody under seventy five. Um, the quarterback situation is mostly indicative of what the entire team situation is. There's it's unsettled. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Uh, the Lewiston Tribune just put out an article about CJ Jordan taking the the bulk of the snaps so far uh, and having the, you know, the starter quality reps that's expected. Um, he's, he was the guy last year and then he got hurt three plays in and, and didn't play again. That's to be expected, but we have to remember that for almost every single one of these quarterbacks, there is no, no film for the coaching staff to know anything about them. Obviously CJ has played, Obviously, Zach Bordish has played. Obviously, Giovanni McCoy has played. Outside of that, we're looking at, at guys' high school film and the the word of mouth of the other staffers, I guess. Like there's this to, to the coaches in their very first spring ball, it is entirely about learning what kids can actually do, what they can't do, what they're good at, what they need schemed away from. Like that's where we're at with this. I wouldn't expect, uh, you know, the, the saying is you, you don't win the championship with spring ball. The, this is going to be as much learning for us and for the fan base as it is for the coaching staff. They are not going to know necessarily what they have in McLeod Crouton and Nate Cisco. 
Uh, both of those guys could be, they could be this, the, the next starting quarterback. Who knows? It, it's, it, it, it depends on what. Of course, now you're just tempering expectations. You know, there's a 0% chance that McLeod or Cisco are starting. Yes, but I'm uh, what I'm getting at is that there is no, like Eck doesn't know anything about these guys other than what's on, on a piece of paper. Yes, the, I think CJ and it looks like CJ and Zach Borish are the two guys that are getting the most reps at, at QB right now. That doesn't necessarily mean that CJ is the number one guy and Zach is the number two guy. I think we've all talked many times about we'd love to see Zach on the field in completely different ways than he's been used because the athleticism is absolutely there to take over games and score 60-yard touchdowns about once a game. Like, there's there's talent there, and it, it, he could end up in a completely different area. Long story short of of all this rambling, guys, we don't we don't know. We can't we can't definitively say yes. Yeah, CJ is the guy. We're we're talking about there have been four spring practices from a coaching staff that hadn't seen eighty percent of this roster ever play football. Oh, and the, the sorting information is just what's going on right now. And the what I've been told so far is to to kind of narrow down what Dallas was talking about. The quarterbacks are getting a pretty decent split amongst all the guys who are listed as quarterback and on campus right now. CJ Jordan has been running through as the first, as the number one. Now, I mean, we'll see what that means. The number two guy has been Zach Borsch, which that's actually an item of news for us, which is, again, spring. Jason X said this in one of his, his videos on Twitter. Championships are not won in the spring. This is about sorting. But at this point, look, there's a lot of – Eck himself – had said in the quarterline press that Zach Borish was going to be playing all over the place at running back, slot, maybe kick return, you know, some quarterback packages. He's been just running through as a quarterback so far. He is also doing some uh, kick returns with Nick Romano. So, hey, that's another clear place he, that Borish is being placed. Uh, we're still going to – we're still in wait and see. I wholly expect that we're going to have Borish eventually in kind of a Taysom, Taysom Hill style setup, which is better than what Petrino had, of course, uh, and closer to what I think is the ideal use for Borish. But right now, the sorting on Zach Borish is he's in the quarterback room, and that's where he's listed on the roster, and that's not to screw people up. That is just where he's playing right now. We'll see how that develops. Um, as far as the as far as other news on quarterbacks, um, it's told that, I mean, Tyler Webb, he's, uh, he's going to be a freshman. He's from Texas. He's been getting, I mean, he, he's getting some some run at quarterback, of course. Uh, I was told that freshman, um, I believe, is it, it's Jack Lane. The Lane brothers both signed uh, with Idaho. I was told that Jack Lane's going to be moving to the defensive side of the ball. If he, if he hasn't done already, I was told that that's where he's going to be moving to. So that's a positional shift to look at. Uh, but you know, you might say at this point, clubhouse leader for starting quarterback is CJ Jordan. But I actually want to pivot from the quarterback talk um, to a couple other points. Like the, and I want to roll through the listed offensive MVPs so far of the spring spring practices. Which again, you know, take these with a grain of salt. But I think offensively, this this is worth paying attention to. Uh, we've had offensive MVP of the first practice is uh, Elijah Cummings. We've had offensive MVP of the second, Jason Hallbeck. That's new lineman transfer. Uh, third day, we had Rashawn Johnson. That's a familiar name. Uh, fourth day, it is not listed in our outline. So I'm presuming, Martin, that means fourth day has not yet been posted. As the person that was responsible for compiling the list of MVPs, uh, 
I could not find a list of the fourth. Uh, the The Battle Axe Award was presented yesterday, uh, but they haven't officially published okay. the rest That's of cool. the MVPs. That's cool. The point being, X talked extensively about needing to build our offensive line and to improve our, our running game. And his offensive MVPs so far in practice are two running backs and a lineman. Uh, that's kind of the direction I expect us to be moving a little bit more at South Dakota State. X offense ran 58% of the time, past 42% of the time. He might be a little different in Moscow, but I would not expect him to be a different person in Moscow than he was at South Dakota State. So I guess the development I'm going to be want to track through the spring is, one, is Borsch going to get some some time joining our running backs and two man, we've got uh, between Cummings between Andre Carr being back and Rashawn Johnson. Our, our running backs are looking strong as long as we have a line that can block for them well enough. I mean, that, that could make quarterback less of an issue. Quarterback's always a sexy topic for us to discuss, but we, we even brought, brought this up when Rob Orich was on quarterbacks, not the biggest question for Idaho heading into this next season. It's a lot of its offensive line. A lot of it's, can we, uh, defend the pass and on the offensive side of the ball uh, at least the attention being given to linemen and running backs right now I think that's it's not as sexy as hearing about quarterbacks but in terms of what this what Idaho actually needs next year to be solid I'm a little bit more interested in that right now I couldn't agree more um, I think it's it's really uh, there I don't think there's a whole lot you can read into from spring football to be completely honest with most people uh I have never cared about spring football. Um, this is the first time I've ever cared about spring football because there's a, a coaching change. I had to cover it for years in TV, going down to, to Wazoo and hearing Mike Leach. He had a good practice. Like, it just, I, there's no interest in me. There's no games. To me, it's not something I really care about. This year, new coaching staff, I'm interested. Seeing that Jason Halbeck was the offensive MVP of practice two is a really good sign that I like. Um, for those of you that are, uh, watching, you're seeing that Idaho just posted the practice four MVPs uh, literally as we're talking about it. So breaking news, CJ Jordan was named the offensive MVP of practice four. So first quarterback to get an MVP award, that might be a sign. It also might not be. Who knows? Anyways, uh, seeing that Jason Hallbeck was the MVP, uh, he's the grad transfer in from, uh, I believe, an NAIA school. Uh, this is a very, very, very young offensive line that we're going to have this year. Uh, Hallbeck being a grad transfer, Logan Floyd's a senior, and Bo St. John is a senior. And then everybody else are freshmen and sophomores. Uh, so this is going to be a very young offensive line. It's going to be um, it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen with, with the line. Uh, obviously, Eck had talked to us on the podcast about uh, you know his line at SDSU. One of those guys that was a a three-year starter was actually a walk-on. So it's it's not necessarily that I'm saying, oh yeah, you know, the line's going to be terrible. We just, we don't know. It's all a bunch of young guys. They could be phenomenal. It could be a, a year of growing pains before guys get a little bit older. Uh, but that's that's super interesting to me. Anyways, let's do a quick run-through of, uh, of the defense, Brian, unless you had anything else you wanted to bring up about the offensive guys. Then. No, I want to talk about defense. That was my next pivot is the observations I've been given uh, from multiple people are the surprise of the, the early surprise of the spring so far is that defensively, you know, look subtext as always. So that everyone's clear last year, last football season, Idaho was a catastrophically terrible defending the pass. And then we graduated 
a lot of our linebacking and defensive line talent. So there was, we need our secondary to turn over. And then we just naturally had turned over in our front seven, the early return so far and super premature. Idaho's defenses look great uh, in particular. Now the secondary, we're not saying this is a new coming of Weber state, but I was told the big surprise and it was surprising that Dale Grummet from Lewiston Tribune didn't include this in his write-up on CJ Jordan and the, the practice when the offense and defense went at each other yesterday, defense came away with five picks. So the secondary is just looking better. And some of the look, this team's going to have new leaders defensively when guys like, you know, Trey Walker graduate, uh, Charles Akendo. Hey, we could circle back to Akendo. We're talking about the impact of a blown Achilles. If we really want to pour water on the episode, but uh, Akendo has gone. We're going to see guys like Leo Tomba who played a reserve linebacker role, uh, become more more important have a bigger footprint on offense this year jason neck on our show referenced fave fave as a person who it, were looks like he's a leader in the clubhouse so far but the i thought it was promising when the observations given to me were that defensively that which is really a key for this team to turn around and be solid uh we're maybe further ahead on the defensive side development wise than we might have thought you know a week and a day into spring football dallas well, and the one thing I want to call back to is uh, is Rob Orich uh, when he was live on Tubbs, uh, very subtly talking about how poor the co- the previous coaching staff was. I think while it's right now the it's it's kind of hard to realize like oh the the defense that had the the worst secondary in the Big Sky in the last three years, the defense might be the key to this team. It's a it's a tough thing to kind of grasp, but at the same time, uh, like Taylor Cash throwing into the comments, Stanley Franks is coaching back there, one of the best DBs in Idaho history. He's going to make some guys into ball hawks. Additionally, a new scheme and a, a no more cushion of death. It sounds like I think the the defense is actually primed for a very quick turnaround. So it's it is a, a very weird thing. Uh, you see, Tommy McCormick was named the defensive MVP in practice too. I don't know if a defensive MVP would have ever been named from the secondary in the Petrino regime. Uh, I really appreciated Lloyd Hightower. I thought he was really good. But the the last three years, it was like watching guys just get shredded over and over and over. And I, I don't think it was actually on them. It was probably on Bresky. Sorry, Martin. I know that, that that probably hurt for me to say that, but Bresky was bad. Bresky was bad at Wazoo. He was bad at Idaho. He needed to go. I'm ripping the Band-Aid off, Martin. I love you, but I'm sorry. Bresky had to go. Well, there's just nowhere to go from, from that if we're, we're going we're to move in that direction. So, Dallas, uh, look, we've, we've touched on some of the big takeaways that, you know, we've, we've been given that, you know, we've – that uh, like Stefan Weeb talked to me about seeing the different quarterbacks in practice cycle through. Other people told me about the defense looking up. Um, I – I'm still cautious about getting both too high and too low, if that makes sense, because the, the coaching staff, the, everything we're hearing to me is the direction we need to be hearing. Like defense has to improve the quarterback. We, we need a guy to start and not be terrible, but for Idaho to and not get around, hurt. Okay. That, that's the thing that we'll have to talk about with CJ Jordan. If he ends up being our starter. And the, well, I, there's nothing to talk about. It's just watch is he hasn't been able to stay healthy in Moscow. Here's to fingers crossed that it's um, that the trouble has been, you know, bad luck. Uh, we 
well, I'm not even putting that on CG. I just mean that we haven't had a quarterback stay healthy in, in four years. Uh, anyways, I didn't mean to derail your, your train of thought there, Brian. No, you're right. Quarterback has to stay healthy, and CJ has had some, some difficulty with injury. So if he's our guy, then we're fingers crossed that uh, it's been bad luck with injury stuff, and that, that rectifies itself uh, with Jason Eck and a different scheme where he's, you know, I, I just am going to have to assume Jason Eck is not going to have his quarterbacks running dead center uh, as part of the strategy. Uh, but look, we have the outreach. That's cool. We've got observations and we've had, you know, discussion. We've had, you know, people contact us saying players are excited in a way that's a little bit different than before. We have uh, morale is uh, definitely up uh, in terms of the team and both, you know, like the families around the team. That's Jason, Eck, that's Jason Eck and the coaching staff doing what they can. Um, development, hearing that defense is stronger right now and better like maybe further along than we thought they might've been this early that they're doing all the things they possibly can heading into, you know, our, our gap, our break, and then eventually into summer and early fall practice. So we're just circling back for me to people need to let themselves be excited, but just be ready for the expectation talk. Once the season starts, I don't really want to dump water on expectations yet, because if they're going to keep doing the right stuff, as long as you remember, they haven't played a game. They have to win games. I think this is still the time to let yourself fall a little bit too much in love with what's going on. And just understand you're going to recalibrate. Once we start week one against Washington state, where look, they're, they're a power five team. That's going to kind of be the wrecking ball to me to truly recalibrate expectations. But I guess I'm kind of the opposite of Dallas right now. I'm stoked with the news that we've had so far and with really the observations we, we can possibly get at this point as minimal as is feasible. And I, I hope, I hope I get to that point, Brian. I just, uh, it's easier if you expect nothing uh, because it's much harder to be disappointed that way. So if I go into this telling myself, eh, who cares? It's uh, spring ball and we're not going to learn anything. It'll be much easier if we do find out midway through next season that it is a, there is more of a rebuilding project than we thought and that it's going to take some time for Eck to, to turn the program into what he wants. Now, if that's the exact opposite and like Rack of Tits 69 saying, let's beat the Cougs. Now, if Idaho comes out there and punches Wazoo in the mouth, even if it's for only a quarter, game on this season is going to be like full send we're just excited excited the whole time but i'm i'm trying to temper expectations because we've seen what the football team did the last handful of years yes it's a new coach the roster is still the same yes brian and i were very vocal about saying the problem is the coach and not the players time will tell if that is the, the case so that's why i i temper my expectations a little bit because what what can we really learn about a team in spring five months before the meaningful games start. And when they're just practicing against each other, uh, you can look really good when you practice against each other. That's why Petrino's spring teams played the number one offense on the number two defense and the number one defense on the number two offense. They looked great every single time because they're beating up on the reserves uh, until, until we have some, until that spring game on April 30th, which hopefully somebody will, I don't know, stream it off of their phone to Instagram or something so everybody else can watch it since you know there's no SWX presence there's no way for people to view it unless they get to Boise I, I'm just I, I can't I can't get excited because I don't want to get hurt Brian that's that's where I'm at being a vandal is pain most of the time and I I'm 
I'm guarding myself to not get hurt again. So we usually ask people to join our uh, hashtag only tubs at patreon.com backslash tubs the club. Dallas, before we pivot, I need you uh, to tell people what what do you owe them in copays for this little for the little therapy session regarding expectations? Uh, you know what? That one is free of charge. We'll, okay. we'll, we'll give that one out for free. The next one, okay. you know, it's like dealing drugs. The first one's got to be free. And then after that, that's when you sucker them in. Okay. Um, I'm going to say we're, this is probably just going to be a shorter episode overall where we're going to shift, um, shift pretty quick. Cause we, we do have football scheduling news to talk about, but it's not time sensitive. It has to do with uh, contracts regarding future FCS games, all of which is mostly positive in my mind. But to keep this episode a little bit shorter, Dallas, before we pivot out to talk of, to give a short basketball update, any other football points you want to get to? Yeah, I did want to just uh, give Brian Reeder a quick shout out as well as Zach Cable. Both of them got hired at Northern Colorado. Uh, Brian Reeder obviously was a coach here for most of the Petrino tenure. Uh, actually, might have been all the Petrino tenure. Uh, and then obviously played here uh, in 2011 and 2010 and um, his that's his, that's the that's the nicest thing I can say. Um, good good for him. He got another job. He's the running backs coach at Northern Colorado. Uh, Zach Cable, the son of Tom, uh, played here in 2016 and 17 as a captain on the defensive line. Uh, he was actually with the Raiders. Uh, most prominently, he was an offensive assistant on the offensive line. So, obviously, working with his dad. Raiders staff got fired after the season or you know, let go, I guess, however you want to say it. The, after Gruden was gone in the interim, they, they went a completely different direction. Anyways, Cable ended up with a, a job in – younger Cable, Zach Cable, ended up in northern Colorado. So it's always cool to see Vandals get other jobs, uh, especially after, you know, Reader getting let go here. Cool to see him land on his feet. Uh, we wish him well, but also not when – Northern Colorado plays Idaho. Well, it's a changeup for Ed McCaffrey to hire someone without his last name on his coaching staff. And it's a changeup for Ed McCaffrey to hire a guy who's coached before. So uh, good news. I will say for Brian reader, it might, it might actually feel kind of weird because he certainly has much, he has as much offensive coordinator experience as Max McCaffrey, who he would work under at this point. Uh, but as the running backs coach, the reader is going to get to work with former all big sky running back Elijah Dotson, who transferred from Sacramento State to northern Colorado. So that's a big get. Good news for good news for reader. It's just it's cool to see that the assistants who even when we were frustrated, you know, Dallas during the last handful of seasons, it, it's it's at the head coach that it was at Petrino that we were frustrated about. We, of course, are hoping all the assistants land somewhere and have a. Uh, you know, have, have fruitful careers from this point for basketball guys. We're going to get, we're going to have to do a short update on basketball. And I promise basketball is going to be at least kind of put the bed pretty quick. It's just in the couple of weeks we were off. There is basketball news that's worth going over. But before, Brian, I have one question for you first. Is this update going to be shorter or longer than the state of the roster currently? Well, I mean, that's a trick question because it's not possible to be much shorter than the state of the roster right now. But before we get there, uh, we have to remind everyone, Around the Bar brought to us by Hughes River Expedition. If you're looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental U.S. located right here in the great state of Idaho. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the middle fork of the salmon, the main salmon river in no return, 
the Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway. You can even check out special trips like the one to see the Persed Meteor Shower. Camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, take in the history along the river, and fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the country. Use bring clothes? Let, let HRE handle the rest. Hughes River Expedition has been vandal-owned and operated since 1976 and ready to take you on a vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the gem state. Call them now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. And now for the vegetables update, guys. Uh, basketball season, of course, ended a while ago, but uh, we know we know this matters in football. Look, Eck lost a total of three transfers uh, from the program when he was hired. So we know, uh, look, people leave programs for sure. Uh, Idaho basketball, and I think Eck lost one more transfer since uh, since he came over. Uh, so I believe it's four. Uh, four guys have transferred away from the football team since Eck was brought on total. Well, right now, um, our men's basketball team, which wasn't very good last year whatsoever. We know Zach Kloss is coming back. Uh, we Listeners know that is an indefensible decision, but we're not going to belabor it because we spent another two hours talking about why Zach Kloss shouldn't be our head coach. So please jump back there. It's just a preposterous decision that he's still here. But anyway, he is. We've had six guys leave the program since news came out that Zach Kloss is going to remain at Idaho. Uh, those transfers include... Uh, both of our posts who played meaningful minutes, uh, Tanner Christensen and Philip Pebble Jr., uh, point guards uh, Trevante Anderson and Kendall McHugh are out, as well as wings Ethan Kilgore. And maybe the one of the biggest surprise names is Gabe Quinette, who was a captain to start the year out and a starter, and by the end of the season was really playing. Um, Ethan, Ki Ethan Kilgore, Gabe Quinette are out. And that's six total players. Now, Big Sky teams, six isn't a preposterous number necessarily for a Big Sky team just on its face. University of Montana is doing much better overall than University of Idaho, and they've lost about six guys. But the big thing that I'm going to point to for shifting to Dallas is some transfer turnover is positive, particularly if they're guys who aren't really making much of an impact. And your fingers crossed is that if you get a roll the dice again, you'll get recruits who are better in their place. That's how teams build programs right now. The subtext of that is if you're rotating guys out, you need to keep a core that's solid. All the big sky schools right now that are good, yes, they lose guys in transfers, but they keep the meaningful contributors. Idaho has lost almost all of our meaningful contributors. Mikey Dixon, grad, well, he, he didn't graduate, but he exhausted his eligibility. He's, he's leading scorer. He's gone. Trevante Anderson was our second leading scorer. He's transferred out after one year here. Tanner Christensen was our third leading scorer and clearly our best post. He's out. Philip Peppel, of course, is on the other post who played. So that's uh, we've lost a lot of contributors, Dallas. So we're not trying to say the sky has fallen for the sake of having six people leave, but between six people leaving and three exhausting eligibility, that's nine new spots. That is just once again essentially control alt delete for Vandal basketball. It's a fifth year in a row. Exactly. It's not like we're seeing these like six transfers and it's guys seven through thirteen on the bench. It's a pretty good mix of guys that played here and guys like Tanner Christensen. I was very excited to see what, what Christensen was going to do. Assuming we were going to have a new coach. I was, I was very excited to see what was going to happen with him. I thought he had, he had steps he could take in his development. I think he's going to be a very good player wherever he goes. I think 
some of these guys obviously are are maybe going to struggle to find another D1 spot. I know Kendall McHugh was injured and then really didn't play much here uh, at all in the last two years. So his offers might be fewer and far between. But guys like Tanner Christensen, Trevante Anderson, Philip Peppel, they should find other D1 places. It, it's not like they're transferring to Montana or to Gonzaga, but they should find other places to go. And so it's it's just maddening to see Yes, the team is terrible, and yes, theoretically, you can build off of the transfer portal, and you can get, you can find better guys and bring better guys in. But you don't want to just reset the team every year because then you end up, you end up winning eighteen games in three years and thinking, "Oh, this is progress. We're doing better. We got to keep this guy around." It's it's maddening. It's frustrating, and for anybody that's paying too much attention to the basketball program, like we are. I'm sorry, because this is just, it's pain. It, there's no theres no logical reason for it from the information that is publicly available. Maybe there's stuff going on in, in the private sphere that isn't public knowledge, but what we do know is there were NCAA violations with Don Verlin. None of them were terribly major. They were major enough that they fired him, but nothing that seemed to like be the death penalty for the basketball program. And here we are, committing to another year of class because it's stability and it's the easy thing to do. And I just, I don't see a, I don't see anything here that says, yes, keep this guy. It would have been one thing if the entire team would have stuck around and yeah, they have to replace Mikey and, and bring a couple transfers in, but the core of last year's team, which to be fair was better than the previous year. There was improvement there. The, that core that that team is gone. So now you're recruiting a, with a guy who is a lame duck head coach right now, but maybe there's an, a backdoor extension that we aren't aware of, but right now what's publicly known is that guy's done in a year. This is his lame duck year. So we jump, a, yeah, go for it. Brian. Jump back I, real quick. I just, I actually, we listeners are probably noticing this is a scattershot episode and weirdly when we have multiple things going on once in a while, we just show up and talk. There's no extension. There's no backdoor extension. There's just no extension whatsoever. At this point, he it's, it's lame duck. I've, uh, I've talked with athletic department people. Now that doesn't, that's of course a decision that like an athletic director can change her mind. And look at this point, Terry could still fire the guy. She's not going to, but like, that's a decision she could still make. She could also choose to extend at this point. There's, there's no extension. The plan is coach in the season and just see, and we'll see what happens from there. Great. That's even, even better. Um, the, uh, the comments in the, uh, the YouTube comment thread for anybody listening to this later, uh, Colin Hughes, uh, shout out to you, Colin and Hughes river, uh, who wants to come to Idaho right now. There is zero attractiveness to it for recruits in the portal. We will only get guys who have no other options. I would guess I would completely agree with that. The guys are coming here because maybe they see a, sh- a chance to get more minutes than they got elsewhere. But the reason they're getting more minutes here than they, they got elsewhere is because they, they weren't good enough to stick it somewhere else. So, no, no insults to the future vandals that are transferring in because we're obviously going to have guys transferring from the portal. It's not like guys are are coming here from respectable programs where they were making a, a bunch of minutes. Like they're the guys that are going to be coming here are guys that need an opportunity for minutes. Maybe they're trying to get D one. Maybe they're coming from a JC or a, a D two school and trying to make it in a D one team. There's nothing here that that is screaming success about this and it's just it's frustrating especially and and maybe i'm i'm leading this point too much here brian but 
especially when you see other schools with interim coaches and they say, you know what, we can do better. We can we can move on. We can start fresh. We can really build this program. And it's tough to see that Idaho, while it looks like they're committing to a football rebuild, basketball is still lagging behind. To, to narrow what you just brought up, there's two items. One, Idaho – Going, looking at the different transfers from Big Sky schools, like you have a, you have Weber State that has, they have two transfers out right now. Neither guys who played very much, you know, not not a huge deal. Eastern Washington is like Idaho; they they now have six transfers out of the program. Our list on the screen says five, but there's a new guy who announced today. Um, the big thing I I just pay attention to is if you look through team by team, what schools have players transferring out and what production they're losing with them. There's only two schools that there's really troubling losses. It's Idaho and Montana. Outside of Idaho and Montana, there's one total guy between all the other nine school, ten, yeah, nine schools, or actually, uh, it's eight schools now because Southern Utah left. Between the other seven schools, there's one total ten point a game score. That's Marlon Ruffin leaving Portland State. Otherwise, there's pretty minimal contributors leaving, except Montana lost uh, grad transfer Cam Parker. And sophomore shooting guard Robbie Beasley. Beasley averaged 12 points a game. Other than that, the big contributors are out of Idaho and uh, Trevante Anderson leaving us. He's a 14.5 rebound guy per game. And then Tanner Christensen, nine point. He averaged nine points a game. He was clearly uh, our most important post. So just want to bring that up to circle back. That's the reason why we're saying this matters at all. There is another school that's having trouble losing some productivity. It's one. It's Montana, and there's certainly some people disaffected with how Travis Secure has been in Montana. No different from Idaho. Circle to your other point, Dallas. I actually do have one extra point I wanted to elaborate on. You just reminded me of because um, I think it's something that should be should be said. You mentioned Gabe Quinette starting off as a captain, starting off as a starter by the end of the year, realistically not playing at all. Uh, for those of you who who are following basketball at a very casual glance, Gabe Quinette is from Moscow. Gabe's dad played at Wazoo and played briefly in the NBA. Uh, I believe Gabe's mom is a professor at Idaho and his stepmom was my professor at Idaho that taught me virtually everything I knew about sports media. So a family that is very much in like a Moscow family and that kid is leaving the program. That's probably not a good sign. Anyways, Brian. And your point that you brought up, dude, I was getting the button. I was getting the button. That, that one doesn't even count. So point, point, the other point you brought up, you referenced other programs turning over. Uh, we brought this up last two episodes, Sacramento State. They were coached by interim coach Brandon Laird. Took over real late in the season process when a longtime coach, Brian Katz. Katz had been there for like 14 years. This was Laird's 11th year at Sacramento State. Uh, Brian Katz had to just retire from coaching due to health concerns. Brandon Laird took over very, very late. Uh, did a... Honestly, a pretty respectable job in his one season at Sacramento State. The the Hornets, hashtag Hornets up, they finished with six six uh, conference wins. They had the exact same conference records as Idaho at 6-14. and 14. Of course, they had more conference wins because they then beat us in the conference tournament for a seventh win. But overall, the Hornets finished 11-18 and 18 on the season. Uh, two of those were sub D1 wins. So for our purposes, you would say nine and 18 on the season. So two more D1 wins than Idaho. Still that tracks. Well, instead of instead of turning the job over to Brandon Laird, they opened it up 
Laird was interviewed for the job. He's a guy who they definitely considered. But Sacramento State just made a huge home run hire. Uh, he, their new head coach is David Patrick. Patrick had been the associate head coach at Oklahoma this year. The year before that, <clears throat> before that, he was the associate head coach at Arkansas. That prior to the pandemic, David Patrick, who is also Ben Simmons's godfather, just you know, kind of weird note, but hey, whatever, whatever that means, it, it exists. The prior to the pandemic, Patrick had, was a head coach at UC Riverside. He was there for two years before leaving to join Eric Musselman's staff at Arkansas, which is a honestly pretty normal thing for low major coaches to do is go from a head coach to associate coach at a power five because they make way more money. In two years at UC Riverside, he won 10 games his first year and 17 games his second year, including a winning record as the best two-year start UC Riverside coach had had prior to him. UC Riverside has stabilized as a program since their coach turned over, and you would say definitely a lot of legwork was David Patrick. Well, that dude who took just a baseline year and then a second year to get sacks to get UC Riverside to 500, he, we have evidence to say he knows what he's doing, and now he's coaching Sacramento State. That is a gut punch in Idaho where we see a guy who, won. it took him just a year to turn a program into a 500 school. But then, two, Sacramento State had an interim who did better than Klaus in any of the seasons, and they their AD said, you know what? We're going to open this to the field, and if the interim's the best dude, we'll take him. He wasn't. So Sacramento State, who's won the last two football regular seasons now they're they're being aggressive in basketball which is just rough relative to where we're at dallas it's especially tough when you realize that sacramento state is one of the worst jobs in in college basketball uh it's i would argue it's the worst job in the big sky and you could make an argument that it's it's near the damn near the bottom of the entire 350 teams in division one they play in a barn that seats about 75 people the students don't care about athletics there whatsoever and yet you get go and get a guy yes david patrick was more famous for being ben simmons godfather and the reason he went to lsu because they hired patrick on as like the video coordinator and then made him head coach or assistant coach but anyways the guy has ended up like you said it was good at uc riverside ended up coaching with eric musselman who obviously they just made the elite eight this year uh coached at Oklahoma, which is historically a pretty decent place. Porter Moser is known as a, as a pretty good coach. So good place to learn from. And then you, you bring him into Sacramento state. Yeah. He might be there for three years. If he's good, he might bounce and take a better job. Or maybe he's decent enough that he's the guy that's there for 10 years. Uh, I mean, he, he could bottom out he could absolutely just be terrible, but they at least tried. They said, you know what? 11 wins in one season, nine division one wins this season not good enough we're gonna we're gonna make sure that we have checked under every single rock and made sure we hired the right guy and then it, it's just it's maddening to see sacramento state that has nothing going for it other than the fact that it's in sacramento do the right thing when you have idaho with our beautiful new arena that nobody wants to go to because the team is so bad it's just it's it's baffling and maddening because if David Patrick was going to take the Sacramento State head coaching job, he absolutely would have taken an Idaho coaching job if it was available. And it's it's maddening to see that oh yeah, there are the pro, the programs that we like to think we are better than. Their athletic department is running a basketball team better than ours is, and that's sad. That is so goddamn sad. 
And then what is very likely going to be our last basketball update for a while, guys, because honestly, now it's just waiting for recruits to, to come and any other relevant news that comes to us, um, which co-sign all of Dallas's points. Um, Idaho, certainly. Look, if Sacramento State can get a guy who's associate head coach at a Power 5 school after being at another Power 5 school, so a, a sequence of Power 5 schools, Idaho can get a guy like that, guys. Uh, just, just don't accept anything else. We have we do have three signees that they, they didn't all happen between when we were last on. But look, the math we have for basketball, there's going to be about six more guys who come on. We lost nine, three who exhausted eligibility, six left the program. We have three who signed on. So that's where the math on six spots comes. The three signees we have so far are a point guard Titus year out from Lapway, Idaho. He was the he was the player of the year in Idaho at his level. Actually, nothing. He was the entire state player of the year in Idaho. Um, yeah, he was the Gatorade State Player of the Year at Idaho. But uh, Titus year out looks like a pre- he's a pretty athletic point guard. It's hard to know exactly how his stats will translate because look, Lapway might have been the best high school team in the entire state of Idaho as a uh, one one A B school. Lapway beat two five A schools this year. It beat Coeur High School and Lewiston High School. So don't really know what the stats mean because most of his games are, of course, against really small schools. But uh, Titus Yearout, athletically, he clearly checks the boxes of a guy who could contribute at Idaho. We'll see what that looks like when he's here. Uh, we have guard Dominic Ford. from a, He's a junior college transfer. He, he has three years to play. He's from College of Southern Nevada. That is, uh, that's in the SWAC which is one of the better junior college conferences in the nation. He averaged 19 points a game at Southern Nevada. Now Southern Nevada finished 12 and 18. So we, they weren't like the best team in the nation by any means, but uh, Ford is a slasher who looks like he has a reasonable shot. Uh, it's unclear how great off the dribble he is, but in the video I could see, look, he, he checked the boxes of looks athletic enough for Idaho and was a go-to scorer on the team. So, Hey, uh, it's not awful news to have the guy. We do have a forward, Nigel Burris. He's from San Francisco. He played prep school. So I certainly don't have prep school archives available, but uh, Idaho needs forwards. We The only returning contrib- contributors we have are Rashad Smith, who's a guard, and Yusuf Saleh, who's a guard as well. Uh, we, we have no contributions coming from the post or wing otherwise from those two. So we are pretty much at factory reset. So, hey, those are three dudes. We're going to see you more next season. Dallas, before we shift out of basketball news, because really it's just an update. We don't have – we until we see those guys actually play, it's hard to gauge how they fit into it completely. You know, I mean, a half-empty roster right now. Any other basketball points you want to hit on? Um, no, other than uh, I'm excited for Titus Euro. Uh, he's going to get a bunch of opportunities to play unless they somehow bring in some incredible guys from the transfer portal because, Brian, like you said, it's uh, it's another exodus. It seems like every year it's a three-fourths of a brand-new roster, and that's where we're at. Uh, you mentioned Rashad Smith and Yusuf Saleh, and those are, realistically, those are the guys. Uh, everybody else is gone, so... What you remember from last year's team that was fun to watch on offense for the most part and defensively was terrible. Who knows what we're going to get this year? Because again, entirely new team. But what we do know is it's going to be poorly coached and they're going to be bad. So go Vandal basketball. Yeah. And as a uh, look, Martin, before before we get to our la- any last points, you've been on the shelf for a while. Do you want to stay on the shelf or you have any, this isn't veggie talk, dude. This is any points before we close out that you want to, jump in on before we call today 
I've got nothing to add. You guys covered everything. You heard that. Martin said we're perfect. So just a small uh, public service announcement I want to give to listeners who may be wondering why in God's name are you guys still talking about basketball? Uh, we're, we just thought it was worth making sure listeners have an update on what's going on uh, with the program. We lost a lot of guys. Uh, we know we've had some emails sent to us um, from both Gallic and Green uh, relating to frustrations about Klaus being there. Gallic has said essentially nothing, um, and uh, Green hasn't said a ton. He Scott Green said that uh, this was last season was the first year Klaus had his own guys, which is look we love Scott Green. That's just not that is not possibly true without mitigating information coming out. So until that information comes out, I would dismiss that as just flat out wrong. But uh, anyway, we're going to spend way more time talking about football moving, you know, from here on, because there just isn't that much stuff to talk about basketball, you know, unless we get some sort of big development that's worth addressing. But listeners, you can kind of let your PTSD subside because basketball is awful and depressing because there's no choice but to talk about the program as though it's awful because it is. Most of our time is going to be back in football now where there's going to be a tonal shift because look, the football news is positive. It should be covered positively. That's where that's how I'm going to continue bring it up until we have anything to change. And of course we don't have, we're not going to lose any games until August at this point. So tonally it's probably going to feel like there's excitement for football because I think that's really where we should be Dallas before we sign off. Any last words? Um, Life is pain. I, I don't know. That's that's all I've got. Uh, we, we're really. I, I need you guys to help me realize that spring football is the greatest thing to ever grace the planet. I need somebody to like bring this excitement into me because thinking about the Vandal basketball team just makes me hurt. Um, thinking about most of my sports teams makes me hurt, uh, and I need I need positive energy. So somebody somebody out there convince me why spring football I should care like it's. Like it's the Super Bowl. Somebody well, talked me into it. Look, in the comment thread, uh, Taylor Cash asked if there's anything people should be paying attention to at the scrimmage. And look, what I'd tell anyone who's going to watch, look, there's there's a few main position groups that we're all curious about. No one's no one is really floored about what who's going to be our running back. It might be like the uh, number of carries that people get that we're kind of curious about. Uh, big position groups, like the brain dead one is quarterback to just see how the guys look. Because no matter who's our quarterback, it's going to be a guy who this is his first season as a presumptive full-time starter. Uh, defensively, we have a completely, essentially new front seven. And we absolutely need DBs who look much better. Early returns are positive. But so if, if you're going to spring, look, those are three things. Pay attention to quarterback, D-line, and secondary. I, glad, glad I just told you, hey, just watch the whole team. In addition to that, there's, look, our offensive line. We're going to have new dudes on the offensive line. How how does the offensive line look handling our the guys on our front seven? Uh, how do How does the scheme look? Are we seeing – we're probably not going to see the cushion of death. If you're more comfortable looking at football from a schematic perspective, which some listeners are, many are not, if that's something you can do, hey, notice what's notice what schemes are being used. Notice what strategies look different this time than last time and let us know. But spoiler alert for next week, we're bringing someone on who has been to a ton of the practices, who's going to have been at the scrimmage. Uh, Stephen Weeby from the Lewiston Tribune is going to be on to give us a little bit more direction about what he's at. He's seen in the last week plus scrimmage of spring ball, which is the best way I know to be concrete about spring ball. So 
Hey, listeners, if you're if you can't make the scrimmage this Saturday in Moscow, which if you can, hey, go ahead, might be fun. Stefan's going to tell us all the great news about what took place. We're going to keep uh, you know running through our sources to get updates, but that's what we have looking forward to. Uh, I'm going to say it is time to call it a night, Dallas, and that means I'm going to tell Martin to have Colby Cuff play us out. He's going to pick God knows what music after I say Colby Cuff is going to play us out. But until then, guys, thanks for coming for this kind of weird uh, all over the place lack of narrative episode. Hopefully we don't have that many more. As always, dudes, go Vandals. Go Vandals. Go Vandals. So raise your glass and have a drink with me. Here's to the Vandals and the craft. I'll just out there living the dream. Part of one and only Moscow drinking.